Comics. Comics. Welcome to ORP, otherwise known as Omen Revelations Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nunley. And I'm your co-host, uh, Steve Sellers. On ORP, we like to talk about geek stuff, pop culture, including movies and TV series, as well as comic books and comic characters. Uh, but that's not all, is it, Mike? No, it's not, Steve. We're also writers for Omen, Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. So we like to talk about both writing and our comics. So podcast and chill with us. All right, today we're kicking off season three with our third creator spotlight. Joining us on this episode is Michael Watson, one of the co-founders of Wicked Publishing, the host of Wicked Weekend podcast, and the creator and writer of the Black and White Barrels comic from Wicked. Uh, why don't you say hello, Michael? Thank you so much for having me, and hello to all the listeners out there. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, right on. We're glad to have you on. Um so uh, if you don't mind, we'll we'll go ahead. We'll just jump right on into this. Um, uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Wicked Publishing. Um, I couldn't help but notice that Wicked Publishing uh, and Omen Comics both started it in the same year, in 2018. Uh-huh. Um, I was wondering if you could. I wondered if you could tell us uh, a little bit about the founding of Wicked Pri- uh, Publishing with Matt Bryan. I mean, uh, what started that journey? Sure. Yeah. No. That's a that's a great question. I'd love to to tell you some a little bit about that. So basically, the story goes back to I think twenty six. I want to say twenty sixteen, when me and Matt were working at Office Depot, uh, and we that's how me and Matt met together was working through there. And so we uh, I always knew he was an artist, and uh, you know I was always I've always been a writer. And so when I left that job, I kind of had this idea to start a comic. And so I reached out to Matt, and we. Did, decided to create project r which is our first comic that we made and we spent about six months kind of coming up with a story the character the concepts all the philosophical and and you know a deeper meanings that we wanted to convey in in the series because we wanted just to be kind of like a big epic and so then once we did that we, we came up with our first chapter and we debuted it at san francisco comic-con i want to say 2017 yeah 2017 was when we debuted the first chapter Nice. Uh, and we got pretty good uh, results, and and we were we had a lot of fun at that convention. It kind of just made us want to do it even more. And so then the following year, towards the beginning of that year, we and maybe even at the end of that 2017, we decided we wanted to expand out, and and not only put our own books out, but try to start helping other creators too. And so that's when the idea for a, a publishing company came about. And Matt brought back an old name that he had come up with, Wicked Publishing, uh, a long time ago independent of myself and so we we set on that on that name originally it was project r manga was the name of the company but then we we eventually transitioned into wicked publishing because when when we decided that we were going to you know expand out from our own comic and do others as well and so the first person that we signed on and met and interacted with online was cody fernandez from jack irons and um and so that was a, a match made in heaven uh, we owe a lot to Cody for helping us get started and, and building our early fan base when we were just getting started and nobody knew who we were. And uh, and so we signed him on and then we quickly signed on um, eBuy Canals from Decimators and several other great creators who who started to bolster our, our rankings 
And from there, just been plugging away ever since, doing conventions, and currently working on trying to get distribution for all the great creators we have under our banner. Sweet, sweet. That's a nice origin story. Um, how many how many creators you got under the Wicked Publishing wow. banner? Now? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, off the top of, I had to say, I'd say it's probably around a dozen. You know, uh, without specifically counting, but I think we have about a dozen right now. I, I want to say. Um, I have to, I'm, I'm bad with math, so don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, that 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 sounds good, and and you know everybody we've talked about. I mean, they're just great guys, so um, we're glad to be part of that, and we're, and I would say we consider ourselves among that number too. So oh, definitely, yes, of course, yeah. And uh, and speaking of which, you know, we just put out the uh, the new Omen books just got put up on the Wicked Store today. Awesome, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's very exciting. So we you can get Omen number one. Blitz number one, Michael Nero, and or rather White Druid and Michael Nero number one, and uh, and uh, also Galisman number one as well. Yeah, and all and if, of it. If you want to get uh, under the ground floor with any of our books, uh, those are definitely good places to start. So uh, check it out. Um, yeah. So um, speaking of, uh, that's a really good segue. Actually, uh, mm -hmm. what do you look for in a book for Wicked Publishing? Are mm. there any particular things that define what a Wicked title is for you? That's a really interesting question. Uh, no one's ever quite asked it before, but um, so there's a few things that we look for. One is uh, we like to be a place where uh, anyone who loves comics can find a book for them. So we really love diversity in genres, styles, and maturity levels. So we want, you know, if anything from all ages to teen to mature, we like to cater to a, a variety of audiences. So that is something that we're always considering in mind is, is trying to keep variety uh, as part of the core, I think. Um, but in terms of individual titles, we look for something that speaks to us. So we'll, if we if a story speak to us, a character speak to us, an art style speak to us, we look we look for something that can make itself stand out from the from the rest of the books that we're looking at, and really make an impression on us. And so I think it, it's more in terms of how we're feeling, and then less in terms of genres and things like that. It it really is about. Uh, the feeling we get from from meeting with the creator and hearing about their story ideas, getting a sense for what you know what the comic is all about. I think that's uh, that's that's pretty sweet. So I mean, really, uh, it's it's just about uh, just about good, uh, unique style stories for you, really. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think in, in unique stories and and in, in good stories. You know, I think. It's kind of like you, you hear it in a variety of different things, but like you know it when you see it kind of thing. Like uh, there's something about a good story that just draws you in from a reader's perspective. So we, I think we come at it from like being passionate readers and creators ourselves. That you know when a story when we when we see a story idea we just love. We're like okay yeah that that's the one. Yeah we want we need to have them on here with us. Um, sweet sweet um, yeah all right. Let's uh let's get into our discussion about your barrels comic. Sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, first of all, I just want to say both your name, Michael, is a very cool name. I just like it. <laughs> Thank you. Place. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like that name too. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, not so much when I have to tell both of you apart, but yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously though, I really like the name Barrels for the series. Mm -hmm. I mean, two images come to mind with that title. I mean, uh, barrels of alcohol and barrels on the guns and rifles. You I mean, it. You uh, it, just man. just with the name, right? you, you set up the the whole mood for the story. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That's so funny because uh, like I knew I wanted to do a 1920s mafia comic, and then like it all came together when the when they hit me with that title. And you're exactly right. It was like, 
oh uh, yeah barrels of alcohol barrels of the gun it's like oh man it's like goes hand in hand like oh man this title is perfect for me this is like amazing <laughs> and yeah, uh, for sure yeah yeah i mean and, and it really did like and it 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 really informed a lot of the story like the fact that they're bootleggers like all that stuff like it comes from the idea of oh well this is a it's not just gun barrels it has to be alcohol barrels i really try to incorporate both those elements into the story gun and beer the two things that go great together yes <laughs> uh, yeah i, I was kind of curious uh what actually attracts you to 1920s new york as a mm. setting uh, i know that we've talked about the great gatsby before and and that book also deals with prohibition and organized crime as a background element um so from that i, can, I could definitely tell that you're really passionate about the roaring 20s and the prohibition era um mm. is there something that draws you to that time period and to gangster stories mm. that's really interesting too uh so yeah, like I, I think I oh, there's a, a few different things that come to mind when when I hear that question, and it's like I grew up on watching a lot of the gangster movies, like the classics. My dad would always show me the the older movies, like uh, you know uh, uh, Miller's Crossing, or uh, you know uh, The Godfather, or whatever you know Scarface, and and so there was something about I think what it really comes down to me for what why I love the 1920s so much is that it feels at the same time foreign and unfamiliar because it's it's set in the past in a time that's long is gone now but yet it's still close enough that things feel familiar as well and so it's this interesting mix of of the modern and the old colliding into into this land of kind of especially in america this lawlessness and this new age of technology and uh, new wonders and and just all this crazy stuff going on and with the the crime and so it's just a really interesting time in history where it it is so unlike things that now but it is similar and like you know like i said and so it's just to me it's just a fascinating time and i and i i think just the black and white like you throw a black and white image up and it's like oh man it it gives you it makes you feel like oh man we're stepping into a different time period this is this is like going into a whole different area and so it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah, that that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, my, my interest in Westerns is actually not too similar, uh, mm. not too different from that. So mm -hmm. I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Yeah. So uh, what are your influences in terms of how you approach Good Crime Story? Are there any that influence your process on barrels? Well, I apologize. What was that? Can you repeat that question for me? Yeah. What are your influences? Like, uh, are there any like specific stories that inspired mm. you to write barrels or 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 how do you approach mm -hmm. a Good Crime Story in your view? Yeah, definitely. So I, there were a few um, that really, you know, influenced me. I, I Godfather, of course, is is always going to be a, a classic. And I went back and I rewatched the whole trilogy when um, the new uh, cut of the third movie came out. He put out like mm -hmm. a, a coda version, and so I kind of watched it all three again. And and so that that is a big part of it. I I, I think the way I look at it is is, is the other story is that um, I'm inspired by. It's probably, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it or if you if you know about the series. It's called Bakano, uh, B-A-C-C-A-N-O. But it's a, a Japanese light novel, and they have an anime for it as well. But it's essentially a, a 1920s mafia anime, you know, slash series. And it's it's about immortals. So they, 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 they were, in the 1700s, they drank an elixir to make them immortal. And now it's this crazy story of immortals and gangsters and demons and all this crazy stuff that's going on. And... So that was a big inspiration for me. And then, you know, because they have like a huge cast of characters that you just want to fall in love with. And it's just so much fun, these adventures with these characters. And so I kind of took that uh, inspiration mixed with a little more of the grounding of like the realism of like the Godfather, where it is more grounded in what was real history and what could really be, you know, there's no demons, there's no, uh, you know, morals, anything like that. 
And I, so I did get a vibe of yeah. Godfather Part Two at the beginning. Mm, really? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that, man. I'm glad to hear that. Because yeah, I I really wanted to get give you that feel of like, oh, these are some interesting characters we're coming into. We're gonna find out what their deal is. They have a lot of baggage that we just don't we don't we don't know about yet. We're gonna find out about through the series. But it, I I really the story kind of came together all at once. Like I knew who Tommy was. I knew what had happened to him. I knew where he was going and I kind of knew where he was going to end up too. Uh, so it all kind of came together really quickly. That's, uh, that's, that sounds pretty cool. I, I, mm. I really like the sound of that one series, but I, I gotta ask you, I mean, I gotta ask all Godfather fans this. <laughs> um, is it, is it one or two for you? That is the best. Or are you a three fan? Mm. I, so here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a, I think one will always be my favorite. One is just like the classics, like oh, that's the Godfather. I lo- but I love all three of them. I, I I think especially now that the Coda has come out for number three, I think the Coda version is a lot better. It cuts out a lot of the extraneous, boring, kind of more boring scenes that were tied down in minutia, and and it really focuses on the on the characters and the story more. So I do think the the third cut. If you haven't seen the Coda cut of of that, I it's definitely worth watching. Kind of weird, though, they spoil the ending in the title. So if you haven't seen it, that's kind of weird. But, <laughs> uh, that's, but yeah. I'm going to have to check out that, that Coda cut. I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I, I, I still like need it. to see that. Yeah, it came out last year. I think it was last year, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so I got to say, I, I really like the flow uh, of the series. Uh, you really use the, the dialogue well when it comes to like keeping the, the story going and delivering information. Um. I, I also like that despite it being a black and white comic, uh, we still get a little gore <laughs> with <laughs> the bones on the windshield and page 16 on issue number one. Uh, mm. I, I like the little immolation with the Molotov cocktail. On <laughs> that was pretty sweet. I was having fun with that one. That was like, I was like, my goal with that was like, to set up this, to set up the story in the beginning with these characters that you're like, oh, these seem like cool characters. Like, what's going on? Here? Oh, they're gonna do, do a little job, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, the shit hit the. Yo, sorry, can I curse on here? I'm yeah. Not sure if that's up. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the shit hits the fan, and I'm like, oh, okay. I wanted it to be like a pop off moment where it's like, oh wow, things are really heating up really quickly. Like, and so to me, that was like my opening act was like this big action scene that ends with a big twist. <laughs> right. You know, um, I don't know if you, you ever read. Uh... The Punisher Max uh, Kitchen Irish. Mm, no, I haven't. I've not read that one. Okay, well, y- your character uh, Sabatini the Butcher uh, <laughs> totally comes across like a Garth Ennis character. And oh my god, that's <laughs> amazing! Oh my god, thank you so much. That's that's actually I love that praise because Garth Ennis is is pretty much my number one, number two writer. Like I I absolutely adore Garth Ennis. Awesome. So <laughs> in case that's not clear that that's a pretty damn high compliment for me yeah, uh, yeah. I, I can imagine yeah i mean that, that exactly Punisher Max come is the best, so yeah I'm, I'm really i will have to pick that one up that is not one i've read from but i will i'm reading currently reading the boys right now ah yes which is yeah. amazing <laughs> there, there is uh there is uh, uh an older guy that is uh who, who does uh torture and uh disposing of bodies mm. and stuff. 
in the Garthanis uh, match. It just totally reminded me of that. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I'm, I'm reminded of Garth Ennis in another way. Um, I don't know if you've read any of his war comics, but um, mm. I find that that Garth Ennis in his war comics usually does a really, really good job of researching and like showing his work. Mm. Um, and I see a lot of that in this as well. So one thing I really like about these issues is the backup sections uh, with all the 1920s history notes at the end. Because mm. um, yeah. I find that they're really helpful for getting context about what was going on and all the major players that you're writing about. Um, can you talk about the research process for the series and how you develop the backup mm. sections? Yeah, dude, that, that's really cool. Thank you so much for saying that because yeah, I really love putting the history sections. That's actually something that's, for all my historical comics, has become kind of a staple for me, it's uh, so it started with Project R. Uh, I would put these sections in the back of the chapters about ancient Rome, and again, kind of like you said, to give that context of what's going on in that chapter and and what you know what historical elements might be at play. And so that that was something I started in Project R. And when I started Barrels, I was like, okay, I think I want to carry that over. That that was actually really fun to do that and tell people about. It. And so the story of of the comic essentially is is is, is well, it's obviously fiction, but it's very much fantasy because the two the two organizations who are feuding having this big kind of mafia war were two organizations that really existed in history it was the 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 morello crime family and the camoras and they had a big war and the morello crime family essentially destroyed the camoras completely and so in my book i and again taking kind of partial inspiration from bacano because they, they talk about the camora in there that's where i first got introduced to that organization um in my book the there's a sec small section of the Kimura who have essentially tried to come out and re have a resurgence of the group. And so it's, it's, it's me taking some of the history that really happened and then spinning, taking my spin on it. And so in the back of the book, I talk about the real history of the organizations. And I even mentioned, like, I talk about how that they were destroyed and how that part of the, the book is fiction. So I, in the back, I like to talk about, yeah, here's the real history. And, may, and here are some of the one or two elements I may have uh, put in that are my own fiction. So I try to make it clear where history, where the line between history and fiction is so that people will leave the book knowing what's real and what isn't. So really, you could, I mean, you could call Barrels a historical fiction then, mm -hmm. especially because you're you're bringing up the specific histories and stuff in the back and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And, and playing with some of those historical players like, uh, you know, the head of the Morello crime family is Joe the Boss Maseria. He was a real guy. And. His goal was to take over all of New York and, and he wanted to own, you know, basically be the head of all the five crime families and own New York. So he was very ambitious. Um, but we go into the history of like how he got, you know, what what his deal is, who, you know, his organization. We talk about some of the, you know, the Kimura. And what's interesting, too, is uh, a lot of these, you know, many of you probably know this already, but most of the or pretty much all these these crime families that were prevalent at the time were coming in from like places like Italy, you know, Naples and things like that. So these organizations had long histories already in Italy and other countries. And so these are massive organizations that are saying, oh, look at America, this booming new country. We're going to go over there and try and make our mark and make some more money here. And so that's why you see a lot of these all of a sudden in the 1920s, there's all these the rise of organized crime is because the Volstead Act, the, you know, the uh, prohibition begins and alcohol is outlawed and that just became a booming sales for all these organized crime and they just became Im immensely incredibly powerful to the point unintended of unintended consequences you know, yeah exactly <laughs> that's right unintended consequences exactly man that's right and, yeah 
and they definitely did leave their mark. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the mafia basically uh, uh, was in control until like what the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the crazy part. A lot of people think of oh, after the nineteen twenty thirties, the mafia goes away, but it doesn't. It really just it changes. Like once prohibition gets ended, they they move into other rackets. That's that's always been the thing. Like you know, gambling and and other kind of things. You know, so the the and then you got things like Murder Inc. start forming and and the commission. And so it's like the the organized crimers were they were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It was just becoming even more, uh, you know, complicated. So it's uh, it's it's fascinating history from from the 1920s all the you know like you said in even for the decade many decades that followed it just is a fascinating history. Yeah, yeah, ah, good stuff, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go into a little bit about uh, a little bit about the making of it. Um, mm. It looks like, and I, and I hope I'm saying this rightly. Uh, it looks like mm. uh, Jeff Leslie. Is that it? Yes, that's correct. Yes, uh, he's um, self-described hillbilly who lives on top of a hill. So that's <laughs> uh, his definition, not mine. <laughs> uh, but he's a great guy. He's uh, he lives. I think he's in Tennessee, but he's uh, he's a very he comes from a very traditional background of of art. He 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 started off doing. He does beautiful, gorgeous paintings these amazingly detailed paintings. And so he, he's, he's a landscape guy, a painting guy, but he loves horror. He loves aliens. That's his like creepy supernatural stuff is his bread and butter. So this was a definitely a big turn for him. And, and it was, he never done anything like this project. And so for him, I think it was, he, he thought of it as good practice because he's doing all these buildings and cars and historical stuff. And I wasn't, you know, like we talked about the his, the research, right? Part mm-hmm. of my script working when I do historical stuff like this is, I do the research not only on you know what events and people were around, but I look at the clothing, I look at the cars, I look at the technology, I look at the buildings, and I provide reference images to the artists. So because I like every in my historical comics, I really do, uh, I do appreciate accuracy. And so like he's having to draw things he's never seen, but he's also doing research on his own, bringing things in. And so it was an, it turned out to be an incredible collaboration between the two of us. And I really feel like he captured the 1920s so well, and I, I just couldn't be happier with working with Jeff. So uh, it looks like on, on all four comics, you got you got Jeff doing your art and mm-hmm. uh, Frank doing mm-hmm. the lettering. Uh, how, how did you guys all meet up? Yeah, that's an that's a that's a wild story. So me and Jeff, I think, is the more interesting story, just because I was looking online and and this was um, a number of years back, and Wicked Publishing, had, I think, was maybe a couple years in, and we were working with this guy named Nashatobi, who was kind of acting as a bit of a advisor to us. Um, yeah, before he kind of got too busy and kind of went on to do his own projects. But um, so I was looking for artists. And I was just asking, do you got any suggestions? And he threw a bunch of people my way. And one of them was Jeff. And I immediately fell in love with the art. And, and, and so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you want to do this comic called Barrels? Like we had a phone conversation uh, to talk about. It. And I was like, I got this idea for Barrels. It's going to be a, this epic comic, 20 issues. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be. He's like, oh, man, I don't think I can commit to 20 issues. That's that's a lot of issues. I was like. He's like, if you need to go find another artist, I totally understand. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to lose. I, I can, I can do shorter. So I was like, I'll, I'll do four issues. We'll, we'll do. How can you, can you commit to four issues? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. And so we, so I reworked the story, and I actually think it's a lot better now. If it, I think it would have been too bloated at twenty issues. That four issues, it turned out to be the perfect length, and, I, and I'm so happy that that we decided to go with that way. But, but that's so that we, that's how we met. We ended up just meeting kind of over Twitter, over social media. Crank the letterer, he was a little different. Um, I want to say, 
I don't know. Actually, I found him. I either found him through Twitter or through email or somehow. But he's he's an interesting guy. He's done publishing stuff. I I want to say who does the? Do you guys know who does the Rick and Morty comics? Uh, oh, I want to say Omni, maybe Omni. Okay. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. It's either them I or IDW. Them. I can't remember, but he does. He does all the lettering for the Rick and Morty comics. And hmm. uh, and so somehow I, I found him without even knowing that, like, I found that out later. I was like, oh, shit, my letter does Rick and Morty comics. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he he just goes by the, you know, the name Crank. And we met and I was like, the prices are good. Uh, let's try it out. And I, you know, he blew me away. Like he can do color comics, he can do black and white comics. And just the level that he adds to it is just awesome. Like he comes up with all the sound effects on his own. I just kind of put in like gunshot or, or shotgun or whatever it might be. And he he's he comes up with the rest. He, he creates beautiful like lettering that like sometimes I don't even see. There's a great scene in Barrels where they kind of um, are toasting and they salute. They say salute, which is I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but that's, you know, essentially cheers and uh it, it italian and mm, he's crumbling into this beautiful lettering just cascading down the side it was cool, cool. i remember that scene um right, uh, uh -huh. granted they, they probably they might pronounce it uh differently in different areas um mm. but uh the italians i've hung i've hung out with don't even pronounce the t or the e in the end oh they really just say, <laughs> That's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one thing I didn't do the research on was the pronunciation there, but that is that is very interesting. Yeah, I would uh, so, I would definitely do that. <laughs> uh, I have to I have to say I I really like the gunfights in the series. Nice. I mean they they just they they it feels so it feels so natural like like you you really feel like you're in the middle of a gunfight. Nice. Uh, now, what my question is: uh, mm. how, how do you guys work that work, work that out? I mean, is that just uh, something Leslie just has a talent for, or I mean, what's your creative process like when you're making that comic mm. with it? So that I think it's probably a combination of both. So one one thing I wanted to do when you know I, I kind of alluded earlier about mixing Godfather with Bacano. Something that I love about Bacano is because it's kind of living in an anime esque world or a manga esque world. There's a lot of action. And so there's the fight scenes are really visceral, and really cool, and where you don't really get that in your traditional gangster movie. That's you know your your, mo uh, your traditional gangster movie is going to have quick action. It's going to have oh a guy gets gunned down really quickly, or you might have a quick skirmish, but it's usually going to be over quick pretty quickly. Um, so I wanted to bring in an element to a grounded, realistic mafia movie where it has those epic big action sequences, and it really feels exciting and different. Uh, and so that was an inspiration there. And so the, the action sequence, I just kind of put on some music and I just come up like, okay, let's, we got a couple guys here, here, let's go for it. And then I just kind of panel by panel, think out what I'm like, I'll like say, I'll like, for example, there's a panel like um, where he sneaks up behind, he's getting up, like uh, going to sneak up some guys. We crouches behind a car and, and sneaks around it. And so I'll write up something like to Jeff, like Tommy crouches down below behind the car so they can't see him and pulls out his knife to sneak around back. And he'll then take what I've said, and he'll use his imagination and come up with the camera angles that, or you know, the angles of the of the panel, whatever it might be, and uh, you know, the, the the look of it. So, so I may come up with the idea, but then Jeff takes it from there and really makes it shine with his art and makes it really dynamic. And and so I do think he does have a talent for that. He he's he's very good with those action sequences, kind of translating what I'm thinking and hearing or you know, seeing in my head. 
Yeah, I, I think that that definitely comes across. Um, uh, the other thing that I think really comes across, um, and, and I know we talked a little bit about this, um, is the fact that Barrels is a black and white comic. And I, I think that some are better than with color, but I think mm. when we're talking 1920s uh, crime drama, um, it definitely works with that. And I will say that at times, even as a feel of an old black and white film, uh, mm. which I know that you talked a little bit about films and, and how all that, but I've also seen a little bit of crime noir and film noir in there. And I think that Barrels dovetails very nicely into that. Um, now, uh, was the was the black and white uh, choice a conscious decision, or was, was it driven by other things, or even by the by the manga aspect? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, thinking back on it, I I know we, you know, I don't think where it was ever. Yeah, I think actually, it was more of a conscious choice. I think with that one, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like you know where with um uh, other comics I've cut costs to you know doing black and white or maybe like flat colors to cut costs or something. With barrels, I really I think it was from the outside. I was like, yeah, I want this to be like you said, like a black and white movie. I want it to feel like immediately you, you pick up the first page and you're like, oh wow, it's again like I said earlier, like stepping into that different era. Like, oh, I'm not this isn't in in the modern era anymore. Like, I'm just taking a step back into a, a forgotten time, into a place that I I can only imagine of visiting, uh, which is so cool. I just love that's what I love history in in historical settings is because. It's like a view into something you can never, a place you can never visit in the real world. And I just love that it takes you to, it can transport you to a, literally a different place just by reading or watching something. So that, that was a big inspiration there, I think. I think it comes across well like that. Uh, mm -hmm. It, 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 it really has that, it really has that flow to it. I, I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. I didn't pick it up like reading it the first time, but I can totally see that uh, black and white film kind of thing going nice. on with it. Oh, that's great, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Cause it, yeah, that was definitely something we wanted to bring across. And uh, I think jet, another thing that was really important for me was I, because I wanted that old style black, you know, I wanted this to feel like an old black and white movie. I knew that I didn't want any digital art. I wanted it to be completely 100% traditional because I wanted, and, and so Jeff, all uh, he did this whole series, I think with maybe towards the end, one or two pages were digital, but pretty much the entire series he did, uh, hand-drawn, hand-inked and everything. And I think it, to me, it, it shows, it really has an authentic quality to it mm -hmm. that, you know, that I, I'm not sure would have come across in digital the same way. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's awesome now. So, I I want to I I gotta ask you about this the the Tommy Gallo character. Um, <laughs> I I don't know if you've read the Vampire Chronicles. Um, mm, no, I have not. But reading Tommy Gallo's story is similar to how I felt about the Vampire Lestat after reading Interview with the Vampire. Uh, <laughs> at first, I didn't like Tommy at oh, all. He was Interview with the Vampire. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, interview. So that that's part of that series, right? Interview with yep. the vampire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, he's the narrator I, for most of the series. Gotcha. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't like Tommy uh, at first. <laughs> he was hot headed. He was screwing up everything for everybody else, uh. just like I didn't initially like Lestat. But as the story filled in, I got to know Tommy a bit more, and and he grew on me. And just like in the Vampire Chronicles by book two, uh, Tommy was the hero in the story. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, 
I think I think my favorite issue in the series has to be number four. I mean, oh, it's nice. probably because of the three that preceded it. You know, it all builds up to that. Uh, <laughs> but that, that one was definitely uh, my, my favorite in the series. I was wondering what you could tell us about that issue without spoiling anything since it hasn't been released mm. yet. Yeah, that I think that's my favorite issue, too. It's the final issue, and, and so there's a lot of sentimentality for me there. Uh, it was the, pretty much like not the first comic I started, but it was the it's the first comic I finished, and so it was it's 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 been an incredible journey and experience to to start and complete a whole comic. But with the first issue, it was like I I sat there and I was like, okay, I want to bring full circle everything that we've read in the first three issues. I want it to come, come to around, and I wanted to feel very satisfying for the reader. So I tried to bring back all the elements. I tried to answer all the questions. And I just wanted to be a damn good time. I was like, we got to go out with a bang. I mean, this is barrels, right? So we got to go out with a bang. So I, I crafted, a, I, I just, I'm really happy with the way the events in the first three issues turned out. And because like I said, I, I knew where the story was going and I kind of knew where it was ending, but I didn't quite know where it was going to go. And so issue four was something I came up with after digesting all three issues and saying, oh, and now I see what the ending is. Okay, here we go. And so then I was able to go in and write it, and it was the biggest issue of all four of them because there was just so much to cover. From there's some flashbacks to just the epic finale, and I just really pleased with the ending. Like I, I'm so happy with how it ended. Like with, I'm not gonna, I won't spoil anything, but like I just think the art, the lettering, everything came together, and and just I'm very pleased with this the ending of the story. It was satisfying uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean Thank that's you. always a big, 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 big thing. Um, now, from reading the issues, and I have to admit, I have not read the finale, so <laughs> we won't spoil it. it. We won't spoil it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say I, I get the feeling that, that or at least from reading the first three issues, uh, was that the story of Barrels really revolves a lot around the cycle of violence and revenge and where that leads. Mm -hmm. um, there are other things involved in it as well, but I feel like the 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 human drama really drives it with Tommy losing a lot of people in his life and that haunts him and that, you know, drives him towards, you know, doing the things that he does. Um, but even we see that even with the Morellos. So um, was the idea of revenge and, and, and its consequences an intentional theme on your part? Um, and is there something that you were trying to say about revenge through the story? Or was that something that just came together because of the story you're telling and the theme just came from that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a conscious choice on my part. It, it's something that I've been thinking about for a, a long time. Uh, it kind of first started when I was watching Naruto. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show, but there, that's kind a of a bit. big theme in the in the series is is the idea of peace, revenge, you know, pain, a lot of these different kind of concepts. And so I started off with just wanting to make a revenge story, I think, was the initial idea. And I started writing that action scene, the first one. And then the big the big twist came to me. I said, oh, wait, this isn't a revenge story. This is a story about how revenge corrupts people. I, I said, oh, I, I, I didn't realize that maybe at first. But that that those kind of themes about, uh, you know, peace. And those are something that I really want to write about. It's something that I want to focus on in my writing, I think, going forward. And so, yeah, I think that was definitely a conscious thing uh, for me to want to do that. Because um, I don't know. It's like you see all these revenge stories like taken and all these different things and even taken two kind of tries to address it a little bit i think but um but just the idea of the cycle of revenge repeating it's just it's a very compelling idea like everybody get, has been hurt and has wanted to hurt in return um which is something naruto talks about when you get hurt you you want to hurt and if you hurt people you'll you know what i mean like you just hurt more and 
And so it's, but it's through this pain that we learn to grow up and have compassion for other people. And so I think those, yeah, definitely I wanted to try and tell a, a, a meaningful story while still having, you know, a good time, but really tell kind of what was on my mind, really. I think, I think you hit it there. Um, I, you can definitely see those, see those elements and those themes throughout the story. I mean, um, I would like, I, I would say even, uh, especially at the beginning in that first issue there, I would say that um, you're, uh, the, the search for revenge cannot, it will not just hurt you, but it can even hurt those around you. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah, and, and, and the unintended consequences, kind of like, I think, what you were saying earlier. Yep. Steve, yeah. These violence delights have violent ends, to quote Westworld. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> so, I... I gotta, I gotta ask uh, uh, one, one, one more question um, about. Uh, well, you said that that issue four of Barrels was gonna be the the last one, mm -hmm. but um, I mean, there's a lot of stories to tell in the Prohibition era, uh, Prohibition era, uh, doing with with this kind of theme that you're doing with Barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mm -hmm. can, <laughs> is, is there any future for the series? I mean, huh, that's interesting. We talked a little about, you know, where we want to come back and do another one down the line. And and, and Jeff said, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm working on my own stuff for now. But, you know, who knows in the future? Um, I could always get a new artist, too, if Jeff couldn't do it. Um, but uh, one thing I really thought about doing is uh, actually moving away from the Prohibition era a little bit and doing my Godfather 2 and go back to Italy uh, when Tommy was just a kid and, and do something more about his father where because in in this in the third issue we we find out we learn a little bit more about his father how tommy lived in italy before moving to the united states and how his father was involved in crime and, and how essentially he gets him started on his path towards crime in a way and so that would be that would yeah. be kind of cool. I, I really, I mean, in, in that issue, they really just kind of hint at that, really, with with the, uh, you know, I just, I just don't want you to have to, to live your life like I did, or mm -hmm. how, how he says that there. I mean, mm -hmm. that'd be a really cool area to explore there. I think. Yeah, right, that I, flashback was where I really started having Godfather vibes. Yeah, <laughs> I probably wrote. I think I wrote that after just rewatching the Godfather again series again. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that that definitely makes sense. But yeah, I mean that that is kind of like I. That's what fa fascinates me about the the switch from Godfather one to Godfather two is just the 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 passing of the torch and and seeing things from a different perspective and. Uh, so I, I just I love that idea. So I kind of wanted to do something similar where. It, we're kind of seeing things from a different character's perspective now. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be kind of fun. Maybe doing a prequel, like a, like a one-shot prequel, I think would be cool. Um, or like you said, like even a, a spin-off like Barrels and give it a subtitle or something. Uh, but, what about yeah. like a zero issue? Hmm, like a more uh, pre-story pre on Tommy maybe even? Yeah, yeah, like you know, you got barrels one through four. Uh, a lot of times when they're gonna bust out a prequel, they make a like a zero issue for it. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. Um, the story of how Tommy got in, thrown into prison would be something that's worth exploring someday. Yeah, something to flesh that out and and see. Yeah, that's true. The the, the that is interesting because that you talk the, we kind of only allude to it in the original or, or in the series rather, where it's like they had the original Kimura Mafia War. That they and they they lost, you know, and they're like, oh, but we want to come back. But it would be interesting to kind of see what what was that war about? How did that go down? 
Right. I, I'd be curious, actually, as you know, uh, I, I mentioned I mentioned already that uh, Tommy's father didn't want him to to live the same life that he did. But uh, mm-hmm. Tommy clearly got wrapped up in all that. <laughs> exactly. And then something uh, like, there I'd I like wanted to, to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I'd like to I'd like to find out where that I mean, as a child, when your dad says something like that to you, mm-hmm. I mean, I assume I assume that probably meant something to him. Right. But there's got to be a story behind how he ended up going from. All right, dad, I won't do that to gangster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely. Once I, I thought I, I, I was out, you threw me back yeah. in. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, really. But you know, one thing I actually wanted to, that was actually a big, and that's funny, it's like you could do a whole series on that, but something I really wanted to convey with that idea was that like this, you, like you said, this tragic things happen, something is said, right? And you think he would listen to this this advice, right? But I love the idea of the repeating cycles because that goes into the cycle, repeating cycles of violence and revenge kind of theme that I was trying to go for, which is that despite someone's best intentions of trying to, make their children not turn out how they are oftentimes we see that they end up just like them anyway and so it's just kind of this tragic thing where like yeah he he could have been turned away from there but because of what happened he kind of just ended up there anyway it totally reminds me of i i don't don't know maybe i'm showing my age here but Uh they used to have these commercials uh where a kid would get busted uh doing drugs or smoking cigarettes or something and the parents would be all why did you do that where'd you Mm -hmm. learn how to do that he Mm -hmm. says from you dad i learned it from you i'm getting Tony soprano flashbacks as well Uh (laughs) right right yeah Uh, yeah, many sakes of newark is still in my head (laughs) that's fair yeah i still need to catch i still need to catch that one but i've I've heard good things on that one so i'll I'll probably watch that soon myself yeah if you like the sopranos you will love many saints of newark that that's a good movie that's awesome man yeah so that about that about wraps up our, our questions for this episode. I mean, is there is there anything uh, you would like to talk about or, or anything we missed or announcements? Wow, no, or I mean, you, like you guys have covered quite a great uh, many topics, and it was it's been such a fun conversation. Um, I guess all that I could say is that you know, I, if you read it out there, I hope you've enjoyed it because um, it's been a blast making it for me. Uh, just from the historical research to just coming up with these fun characters and, and throwing them these crazy scenarios and. You know, even issue two, I was able to do a little bit of a horror scene. You talked about Sabatini the Butcher. So I threw yeah. a little bit of a horror scene in there. And, and Jeff, excuse me, he switched up to like these darker uh, inks when he was, you know, doing it. So like, I don't know, there's just, a, I think there's a lot of fun stuff in here. Um, it, I wanted to feel like an old 1920s mafia movie. So I hope I've done my job. Oh, okay. Well, one last question before we let you go. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your books online? Thank you so much. So yes, uh, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at nubguy, N-U-B-G-U-Y, or you can follow our Wicked Publishing company at Wicked Publishing, W-I-K-I-D, Publishing. And uh, if you want to go check out all our books, we're at wickedpublishing.net, and we have a store on there where you can buy all the current books we have in physical and in uh, digital. Um, we've got some merch up there, like posters and prints. Uh, we got even got an action figure with more on the way and or not actually you're like a figurine more like but uh yeah we got a lot of cool stuff up there and you can find out all about the different series we published including the omen comics uh which we just put out on the store so check that out and go find out all the cool stuff we got coming out soon um one one thing uh i, I we totally forgot to ask about is uh when is barrels number four coming out oh yes that's a good question so we're actually uh heading to the printer with barrels number four and a few other comics this month 
So we're proofing and hopefully out by the end of this month or maybe early sometime next month. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for joining us on another Indie Comics Creator Spotlight here on ORP, and we'll see you uh, for another one next month. Uh, But you'll hear from us again uh, this Tuesday with our discussion on the philosophical side of science fiction. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.